0: Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host Claire Campos-O'Neill as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I'm Claire Campos-O'Neill.
0: And I'm Nicole Abshire.
1: And we are so thankful that you're here with us today, whether you're a regular listener or a new listener. We talk about Texas politics. So if you want to find out more, listen to the show and the past shows and sign up for our newsletter at our website, gobehindtheballot.com. We give really great recaps of the show in our weekly newsletters and on our website. So in this show, we're going to be talking about the 88th legislative legislative session and specifically abortion rights, abortion healthcare, and what happened this past session, but also looking back a few years beyond that, because a lot has happened in the last couple of years regarding abortion care, and we want to know more. So we have two amazing guests here with us, Caroline and Nika, and we just want to kick off by saying hello. How are y'all? Hi, I'm good.
2: I'm Caroline Duble. I use she, her pronouns. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah,
3: it's excited to be here. I'm Nika. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm also excited, ready to dig into these questions. There's some really good ones. So I'm excited about it.
1: Thank you. Well, we're really excited to learn more. I think this is an area where people have assumptions, but they don't know the full story. And we're excited to give that to folks because we ourselves in this very show have had experiences where we're like, wait, that's the law? So we might have some of those moments for ourselves and our listeners, and we are glad to have y'all here because you're the pros and you can set the record straight. So let's just start off about talking about a vow. What is a vow? Why was it created?
2: Yeah, I can kick us off. So a vow has been around for over 40 years. We started as a state affiliate of NARAL, Pro-Choice America, which is a national abortion rights organization. But when it was clear that we needed to take a bolder approach to address the unique needs of Texans, we decided to form our own organization called Avow in January of 2021. So we chose that name because to avow means to declare openly, bluntly and without shame. So we are a political advocacy org that exists to destigmatize abortion and ensure unrestricted and free abortion access for all Texans for any reason they may have. So we do like narrative change work, we do state and local policy work, electoral work, community education, and we engage with the state legislature.
1: Great. Okay, so let's get really basic. What is the current law in Texas regarding abortion?
2: Okay, so <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people do not know this, but right now abortion is completely banned at any stage of pregnancy and it is also criminalized with no exceptions for rape or incest, the only exception is a life or death scenario for the pregnant person. Um, but even that is really unclear when a doctor can invoke that exception. So basically like how we got here was that in September 2021, Texas was the first state living in a post-roe world when the six-week ban and the bounty hunter law went into effect. That law stopped nearly all of our legal and clinic abortions in the state because most people don't even realize they're pregnant at six weeks. But then soon after in June 2022, the Dobbs decision came down and that basically allowed states to ban and restrict abortion. And so that's when our trigger law went into effect, which was also passed in 2021. So that trigger law is, it just says in the event that Roe versus Wade falls, this law is triggered to go into effect, which is exactly what happened. So it not only bans, but criminalizes providing abortions at any stage of pregnancy. So there are no legal and clinic abortions happening in the state period. And that is where we are at right now. Okay. Yeah,
0: I, I definitely have thought. Well, I think criminalizing, can we talk about what that looks like?
2: Yeah, that looks like any other thing that's criminalized. So basically police can arrest doctors who provide abortions. It's a first degree felony in Texas right now. So you can go to jail for many, many years if you are found guilty of violating this law, which would mean providing an abortion. To be clear, the law criminalizes providers, so that means the doctors and anyone who helps someone access an abortion. It does not criminalize the patient themselves. That doesn't mean that people who are accessing abortion are not facing more surveillance and criminalization and fear than they were before this law.
1: I'm thinking, too, we should maybe take one more step back before we really get into this. Can you define what an abortion is?
2: Yeah, I'll talk about it as if I were talking to my nieces and nephews when they ask me what I do. (laughs) So abortion, it's really simple. It's a procedure that you can have when you no longer want to be pregnant. When you're pregnant, you don't want to be. So there's medication abortions, which is where you use two pills, mifepristone and misoprostol, to induce a miscarriage. And there's also a procedural abortion where you visit a doctor and there's several different methods of a procedural abortion.
1: And. How is this actually playing out? Because it sounds like you cannot get an abortion in Texas with the exception of the health of the mother, life of the mother. What's this really looking like? And I know there's some lawsuits because there is a lot of gray zone. So what do y'all hear from Texans regarding this issue?
2: Well, actually, just last week, an article came out. It reported that there were 10,000 additional births that were unwanted pregnancies that where people wanted to access abortion and were not able to in the state. So when you think about that number, that is 10,000 people, who, families who are in a different situation than they wanted to be in, who weren't able to access the care that they needed. And then there are still people accessing abortion in the state. There are people traveling to go to Colorado or New Mexico or to visit family in California or New York to access abortion care in clinic. There are also tons of people safely self-managing their abortion with pills that they access online. And there are also people yeah, who are being forced to carry these pregnancies to term.
1: Hmm. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the legislative session that just ended in May. And what was a conversation around reproductive rights during this past session? Were any bills passed? I don't feel like I heard a lot about this specific topic, but what was the conversation?
3: Yeah, so this past session, I agree. It was kind of a quiet session when you think about all the media that happened a couple of years ago when we saw SB8 come into fruition In comparison, this year was really quiet. Even for people that are doing work in this space, it felt really quiet. So yeah, there were a couple of good bills. We'll say that. Yeah, there were a couple of good bills that passed this past session. It wasn't a complete waste of time. There was a couple of good things that came out of it. So one of those bills are HB12, which is House Bill 12, which expanded Medicaid coverage to one year postpartum. So just extending that coverage for people who have recently given birth, Medicaid is now being extended to a full year. And then hb 300, which is House Bill 300, which removed the sales tax on menstrual products, diapers for adults and children, as well as baby wipes, best, breast milk pumping products, baby bottles and maternity clothes. So all of those had the removal. We saw the removal of sales tax on those items. So those were two, some of the good things that came out of this past session.
1: Yes. Thanks for mentioning those. I forgot about the period tax and how we don't have to pay tax on these necessary products anymore, which is really great. And why did that take so long? But that's okay. We're moving forward. (laughs) Can you help us understand why it was so important to extend that coverage from, I think it was six months to one year for mothers?
3: Yeah. So when you think about the people who are going to be most impacted and the people who are in need of certain services, extending any lifeline to those groups are going to be really impactful and really necessary. So when you look at the demographic of people who are being covered by Medicaid, Medicaid already has such a like tight, it's like a tight group of people that can actually access it because there's so many restrictions in place of who can actually get Medicaid and who can and what's covered and what's not covered. So just by extending that, even an additional six months is life-changing for a lot of people who are in need of care because six months After giving birth, you're not completely just like free from everything. You're good to go. And especially when we're looking at maternal health of Black women as well, like some things can happen outside of those six months. Complications can arise after just six months. They can happen within a year. And so what does coverage look like for people who can't access that care but are still in need of it? but the six-month mark has already passed. So it just gives people who are already having so many other ways in which their lives are being pushed and pulled and politicized and attacked. It just gives them just more room, just, I guess, more breathing room to be able to access the care they need without like thinking about that ticking clock of six months being the thing that can stop them from getting the help that they need.
1: Yes, yes. We are also very happy that this extension happened. I know there are a lot of groups that were behind that push, so
0: progress. It I reminds it. me of the SNAP benefits conversation that we had mm-hmm. with um, every Texan just about the how restrictive and how difficult it is to access these resources. And it's wild to me. Wild.
1: Yes. <laughs> so I know the legislature is statewide, but can we talk about local level and how local communities are supporting pregnant people? Absolutely. This is my favorite thing
3: to talk about. And it's probably because I'm biased as an organizer, but I love talking about what we're doing on a local level, because it takes things out of the big picture of national and like, what are things that can actually happen within your own community and your own neighborhood? So a lot of us, and not just talking about people who work in repro, but people just who have had to depend on community support and community building are doing what our people have always historically had to do when a state does what it does, which is enact violence and also harm people with the laws and policies that they're passing. So we are taking that responsibility for each other. We are ensuring that the needs of our community are being met outside what the state is deeming that we need or is deeming that we should be able to have. And so one of the ways in which that is showing up for people who need to access an abortion are through the many amazing practical support orgs that we have in the state of Texas. So practical support orgs are organizations that assist with all the other things that go with having abortion outside of the actual cost of the procedure. So this can be transportation because we live in Texas, can't get an abortion here in Texas. So helping to pay for flights to go out of the state. This can be covering hotel costs because now that you're leaving the state, you need somewhere to stay. Sometimes you can't fly back immediately after having a procedure. You're going to have to stay overnight. So the covered up hotel costs, The most of the people who are having an abortion have already have a kid or already have a child. So helping to cover child care, we're thinking about loss of wages, when we think about the people who are going to be most impacted, it's going to be people who are also low income. And so it's not enough to just pay for someone to travel somewhere or take care of their housing, but it's like they're also missing out on a full day worth of wages or two days worth of wages. So how can we help ease some of those things that would be not necessarily saying it's a burden, but like some of the obstacles to receiving care. And so, yeah, and they're providing a multitude of things, including like repro kits that can include contraception, And then also, like I said, some of the other items like child care and covering lost wages and things of that nature. As far as like on the local policy level, we're working with our community, with partners, with other issue orgs. I think sometimes when it comes to uh, social justice issues, it's wanting to treat it as a silo of like this is just happening in this one group, not to the other. But we are all connected. You know, I think Martha Luther King Jr. said it best. Our destinies are intertwined. We can't do one without the other. So It's definitely been a lot of organizing within other issue areas to just sort of bring light to the intersection of what's going on and how the hate and attacks we're seeing on trans kids are just as related to abortion and the bans on abortion as we're seeing with climate, with climate change. And we're seeing with mass incarceration, all of those things are connected. So we are calling on our local elected officials to be accountable to the promises they made on their campaign trails. We're just calling them to do what they said they were going to do. We're not asking for more. We're just saying, do what you were supposed to do. Actually serve the people you're supposed to represent while also being proactive with pushing our own pro-abortion policy. So not waiting on elected officials to see us, but making sure that our voices are heard regardless of what they're going to do. So yeah, those are just some of the things that are coming to mind.
1: Yes, that's so great. I'm having a question bubble up regarding the new laws, which are confusing so it is legal for a vow to help people get an abortion, even though you can't get one in Texas. Like, I think there's a lot of confusion on providing information to people. We can do that, right?
2: So vow is a political advocacy organization. So we actually don't do any direct service at all, you know, what? regardless of what the law is. So we are out here advocating and doing lobbying work and, and policy change and things like that. But those practical support organizations, it is still legal to have an abortion somewhere that's not in Texas. So practical support organizations can support people who are accessing care out of Texas. It is illegal to help someone access an abortion
1: in the state of Texas. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. That, I think that cleared it up.
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. There's such a climate around all of these issues of confusion, right? And it often seems like the confusion is the point so that there's just this, you know, chilling effect so that nobody tries because you're just so scared of the repercussions. So that, that really clarifies and helps. I had another thing that was bubbling up for me. I think I realized in the beginning, Caroline, in the way that you were framing everything, I realized just something. I think that for me, and I wondering if other people are having this same little tug I think abortion is often presented to us in such a like a moralistic way that I wasn't hearing that in your language. And so I was a little like, I'm not sure what to ask. And I think because of, uh, I'm guessing like, your approach is, is medical, right? This is a healthcare issue. This isn't a moral issue. And so I think I'm like, I'm still catching up in terms of that framework.
2: Yes. That's actually a really interesting point. I do think it's often presented to us as this something that's emotionally charged and a difficult decision and, you know, morally complicated. And I think it's just, when you actually look at people who are having abortions, that's not usually the reality. So many people have abortions. It's so common. Every single person in Texas knows and loves someone who's had an abortion. If one in four people who can get pregnant are having them, then like, whether you know it or not, you're surrounded by people who are having abortions. And so I think it's just... Important for me, at least, I always think of this as just a reality of our reproductive lives. It is not complicated. It's just like some people need colonoscopies, some people don't until they're a certain age. It's just a regular part of life. And it's just something that we need to take our own judgment out of because we don't know what people are going through. So if someone has a moral belief around abortion, I fully support them to exercise their own moral beliefs on their own body. But when we are exercising our moral beliefs on other people's bodies, we are moving out of this empathetic state policy. We're moving out of a country and a state that supports people and moving into a judgmental, religious, fascist theocracy, which I don't want to live in. So yeah, that's kind of why I am kind of cut and dry. I'm also on the political side of things. So I just, in general, speak like that. But that was a really interesting point. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Nicole, for taking us down that road because abortion is an interesting thing. It's so loaded and it's interesting to sort through the different approaches to it. Yeah.
0: It feels like a really important unpacking, honestly. Yeah. It just makes way for really different conversations that, again, are not charged. And as we watch these cultural wars being waged, it feels like such an unburdening and a relief, honestly, to just remove <laughs> that part. <laughs> Because yes. it doesn't, isn't restrictive, right? Anybody can still have their beliefs, their morals, their thoughts and values around these things. This is about the putting those on others. That is the issue.
1: Yes. And as we've learned, our legislature likes to mix in religion sometimes. So with that, let's segue into the bad <laughs> and the 88th legislative session and any updates on bad bills that were passed.
2: Yeah. Lots of bad bills were passed. Unfortunately, it's just like every two year routine that we do as a state is just pass a lot of bad bills. So some of the worst I'll pull out. One is around the alternatives to abortion program, which is actually in the past, it's been a budget item. So this is something that's debated in the budget process early on in session, not a bill that's passed later, but there was an increase in funding for that program. So currently there are $140 of our tax dollars going towards this program. This program funds fake clinics, often called crisis pregnancy centers. So these quote unquote crisis pregnancy centers, they're often, you know, when you see the billboard that's like pregnant, need help. Or if you've ever gone to our Planned Parenthood here in Houston or any Planned Parenthood in the state, there's usually like a bus or a little shopping center place across the street that is a fake abortion clinic that will offer you free ultrasounds. But when you go in there, you will not receive medical care. There will be people in scrubs. They will not be trained medical professionals and they will proselytize you and basically often manipulate, even bold-faced lie to patients about where they're out in their pregnancy or whether or not they're, they can access abortion and to try to stop them from having abortions. And there's a lot of really brave storytellers with our partners that we testify who have told stories about some of the literal trauma they've experienced in those fake clinics So Texas is now funding them at $140 million every two years for the biennium. We've increased that program steadily over the last decade, and it's now huge. It's a huge part of our budget. Another bill related to that is SB 24. So that codified the Alternatives to Abortion program and changed the name to Texas Thriving Families. So they're trying to do like a rebrand on Alternatives to Abortion So just something to watch out for Texas thriving families, not a safe space. Okay. Um, Thank you.
1: So, but this is like (laughs) my money, Nicole's your money and the conversations we've been having about education.
0: It's like, wow.
1: Imagine what
2: Houston ISD could do with $140 million right now, instead of having this random person by the state appointed coming in and taking over and taking away our vote. Um. Okay. So yeah, a few other bad bills, sorry. I'm no, it's the, okay. This is good to know. I'm the depressing one. Yeah, Nega has all the hope and like the power around community <laughs> organizing and like all this sad stuff. So HB 17, which is another House bill, allows for a district attorney's decision not to pursue the criminalization of abortion cases to qualify as official misconduct. So basically after the trigger ban went into effect and abortion became, providing abortions became a crime in Texas, a lot of district attorneys, as they have on many issues, said, We're not going to prioritize this. You know, like the Travis County District Attorney said, and the Dallas County District Attorney said, we're not going to be pursuing abortion-related crimes. That's not our priority. We're trying to keep people safe. And so this bill will now allow the state to qualify those DAs as being out of conduct, official misconduct. So that can create a path for removal from office for district attorneys who do not enforce this law, Um, which is really frustrating. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that feeds into the, I think this is a really important moment to bring up just how much we have to learn from people who have been fighting surveillance and criminalization for decades, specifically Black women and the Black Lives Matter movement, who've been fighting criminalization on a number of issues around marijuana, around simply walking down the street and being Black. Like they have created so much language for us to talk about how to fight criminalization and surveillance and now this is also being applied to pregnant people. So we have a lot to learn, and I think it's important we follow their lead because they've been working on this for a long, long time. And just two other quick bills I'll talk about. HB 1575, that one establishes a screening process that requires those quote-unquote crisis pregnancy centers to question pregnant folks and collect their data. That's a surveillance data security issue that I have concerns about. And then of course, all of the anti-trans stuff that happened this session, which I know y'all had Ricardo from Equality Texas on who probably dug deep into that. But I mean, it's just been awful to see. And there was a ban on gender reforming health care for young people in our state, which is just, I mean, a tragedy.
1: Whoa. Okay. The other Speech thing I'm thinking looks- about, well, we've also heard a lot of our guests in this series talk about local control being pulled back by the state legislature and that Rung a bell for me when you're talking about the attorney general or the district attorneys who we elect, but that power is being pulled back from the people.
0: Well, the levels of hypocrisy are pretty outrageous, right? The small government (laughs) side of things is absolutely not for small government, right? It's so much government overreach that it is like I'm speechless. I really am. Yeah. And the idea that they're chipping away at local control, not even like in little bits, but in huge bits, is it's outrageous.
1: Okay, we're going to forge ahead. Let's talk about, this is our catch-all for like, ugh, this is what they talked about. Because we like to remind folks that our legislature does not meet very often. It's every other year for 140 days to get everything done for Texans' current needs. Although we've been having a lot of special sessions, so... That's that. But were there any moments that a vow was like, "Ugh, what? I'm sure there were many <laughs> ones that come to mind. There were many for sure. I think it's like a kind of uh,
3: slash meh, like, it's kind of one of those things where it's just like an emoji more than actual like label. But yeah, so pretty much all the anti trans legislation, of course, it's like, can we as a society just collectively agree to just leave the kids alone? can we just do that? Can we all agree that the kids should be left alone? But also one of the more like meh things that happened this past session was the exemption bill. And that was passed by uh, Representative Ann Johnson. And it mostly relates to ectopic pregnancies and pre-viable water breaks. But to be honest, the bill just did not give what was needed. It just didn't. So basically, she was trying to expand a definition of a medical emergency and thus abortion access was supposed to like be expanded as well. But honestly, the whole bill was kept kind of like hush hush and on like a need to know basis. And there was just not a lot of public conversation about it. And even us in the repro community didn't even know about it until after it had passed. And so. It just really showed us that their goal was never to like really push back and challenge extremism, but instead to do like the minimum and like the bare minimum um, and pretend that that really alleviated harm on the band. So, yes, there are going to be people, you know, who might benefit from this exception, but that very few of us that know about it are not really the exception to the band. You know, these exceptions are not actually solving the problem they are still holding the ban so yes there is going to be an obscure section of the population who's going to benefit from it but the ban is still in place the majority of people are still going to suffer at the hands of the ban so i hope that is a bit more clear so yes sure okay it was passed but in reality it still upholds the ban and at the end of the day the ban causes harm so it's a myth like mm-hmm. okay
1: Yeah. And can you tell us, because confession, I didn't know what an ectopic pregnancy was till, I don't know, I was like 25. So can you tell us what that is and the other one you mentioned (laughs) for anyone who might not know, like young Claire?
2: That one, I mean, I probably couldn't give like a good medical answer on what an ectopic pregnancy, but it's a not viable pregnancy. I think um, it doesn't
0: the egg implant in the fallopian tubes like it hasn't moved down.
2: Yes, it's basically it's not in the uterus. Yeah, like yes. the pregnancy is not in the uterus. So, the only thing I know about it is in the context of an abortion, like someone who takes medication abortion pills who has an ectopic pregnancy, it nothing will happen and that's a sign that it could be ectopic and you need to go to the oh. ER. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I'm super not a doctor. So, yeah.
1: Well, I think I just mentioned that because wasn't there a lawmaker or someone who was like, atopic pregnancies can be viable. And it's like, uh, no. They can't, right?
0: no, they cannot. They absolutely cannot. Yeah. You can even just like visualize the body parts and know that that's not possible. Like,
1: yes. I think we can all agree that on the whole, we have a lot of ignorance when it comes to reproductive health. I'm trying to get better at it myself, but it leads to bad policies, sadly, when we don't understand our bodies and how things work. Right. I highly recommend that
2: y'all have a Texas doctor on. There's two that come to mind, Dr. Kumar and Dr. Moyetti, who are both just badass Texas abortion doctors who are no longer able to provide the best quality of care to their patients. And they have been super involved with the organizations on the ground and just like connecting with us and really helping us understand what we need to understand. She's even come and done like, Uh, Years ago, like an abortion one hundred and one, like here are the tools I use when I do an abortion. Like here, you know. So I think like there's a lot of good knowledge in the community. Just maybe I'm probably not the best person to answer that question. No,
1: thank you. That is really helpful. Yeah, I think just anything we can do on the show to demystify these things, they feel less scary. They're less whatever is coming up in your head is this like horrible thing. It's like actually you take a pill and then you take another pill and da da, it's done. (laughs) Like. Yeah. We're going to find them. Thank you for those recommendations. Okay. So what is coming up next? Like how can Texans get involved in the abortion rights fight? Because it sounds like we're pretty much at the bottom of, we can only go up from here. So what do we do to turn things around?
3: I like that. We should only totally go up from here. Like, <laughs> honestly. I like, I like that. I'm like, I'm going to use that. We can only go up, honestly. So some of the things that are coming to mind are definitely plugging into local organizations that do advocacy around abortion and also plugging into local abortion funds, donating to local abortion funds. I think that when around the time that SBA passed and then we saw the Dobbs versus Jehu, which was a 15-week ban coming out of Mississippi, there was like this influx of money towards Texas to kind of like meet the needs of what was going on. And it was like a really like reactive time. People like we want to donate, want to donate. But then as time passes and we're seeing that abortion is no longer an option in Texas, people are kind of like taking the money out of Texas, even though people in Texas, people are still needing abortions. People are still getting abortions. Those things have not changed because it's illegal in Texas did not stop people from needing to access an abortion. So really want to like encourage people to definitely fund our local abortion orgs I mean funds and also fund local practical support orgs and when I say orgs I mean organizations I just keep forgetting to like explain the shortened version of things so yes and fund those organizations there is a phrase I was coined by the organization called Black Feminist Future and it's called being an abortion plug and basically what that means is that like in your own community within the people that you're around you can be that person that people can come to for resources. Someone's like, I'm in Texas, I want to get an abortion. What do I do? You can tell them about sites like needabortion.org that has a list of like verified clinics that are outside of the state of Texas that would be better options for people who need to access care or for if people are looking like, what's a real clinic? How do I tell? The list is already, there are already some on there. So you can just look at that list and you'll know like, okay, these are trusted. There's a section for the actual abortion fund. So like, I need to pay for it. How can I get help with that? There's a list of resources. Also, there's like legal help on there. There are hotlines if you need to talk to someone or counseling. And there's just like a lot of resources available on that site. So you can do that yourself within your own community. You don't have to necessarily, you know, spend any money or you're not able or have the ability to like offer physical services, that's something that you can do also. You can just be that person for people to come to, like tell them about plan C pills, about how to get, you know, medication abortion. You can be that person to tell them about I need ANA.com, which is great for people who do not live in a state of Texas. So that's something you can do within your own community that doesn't cost you anything and that you would probably be surprised at how much of a help that can be for people who just don't know where to go or where to turn to, because like you said, All the laws and language is so confusing, which of course it's done on purpose like that to keep us confused and keep us on a defense and not really thinking about proactive work. Because being a volunteer right now can be a bit tricky for some orgs, even just signing up for like listservs and text messages are so helpful because you can get connected when actual action items come up. So when it's time to like actually get out there and call a legislator or go out there and, you know, participate in a rally or speak at a commissioner's court. You can be updated on that through the text messages and listserv, mutual aid, which is where we all take responsibility for the people in our community. So it's more of a reciprocal thing of like, I help you with your needs, you help me with my needs, and that's how the community works. Community organizing and education, we offer trainings like, let's talk about abortion and just talk about abortion. Like, how do I talk about abortion in a way that's not stigmatizing? How do I talk to my family about abortion? How do we start having those conversations? And yeah, just saying abortion out loud I think that's like one of the biggest things just say abortion those who are opposed to abortion will say the word four times more than us which means when I say us I mean people who are in favor of abortion which means that they control the narrative they're the ones controlling the narrative around abortion so when someone's picking up a newspaper or they're reading an article online or they're watching tv more four times more likely to hear someone who's opposed to abortion saying the word abortion so For a lot of folks, that's their first time interacting with even talking about abortion. And so, you know, it's now on us as people who support abortion, who are in favor of abortion, to take back control of that narrative and take back control of that word abortion. So just say abortion out loud. If you mean abortion, just say abortion. And so, yeah, those are some things that you can do for sure.
1: Awesome. That's fantastic. We'll have all of those in the episode notes. So if one day your friend's like, Oh, I need an abortion. And they can be like, Oh, there's this podcast episode. And, oh, there's the notes all right there. We'll have it easily available. Oh man. There's so many things.
0: <laughs> we know. Do you want to be thinking about democracy? What are you thinking? I'm thinking about
1: Democracy? I'm thinking about a lot. I'm just thinking about like this moment in time. Like, yeah, I guess let's go to democracy and Before we get to what y'all think about democracy, how you would define it for yourselves, what do you think people can do who feel like giving up, who feel like the battle has been lost? I mean, I know you shared all those great resources, but beyond maybe providing for this issue, what's like one thing someone can do to feel like they're changing the narrative in Texas and moving us towards a more inclusive state?
3: First, breathe. Just breathe. <laughs>
1: when we're looking at all the
3: negative and all of the just like messed up things that are constantly happening, we feel the need to constantly like rapid respond and defend and respond and defend. And we like get stuck in that cycle of constantly of exhaustion really is what it leads to. So at first think breathe. You know, things that we're seeing today did not happen overnight. They didn't just happen with one session. It was years and years and years and years of bad policy and no protections that led us to this point. So first, just take a breath, you know, like, let's collect ourselves. Let's not exhaust ourselves in this work because this work is not going to solve itself within a day or even within a year. It's going to take time. The main thing I like to tell people, other than the ways in which you can get involved, is that whatever you do does not have to be big. And I am quoting, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the Marvel show, but It's the steps do not have to be big. They just have to move you in the right direction. So I just tell people, don't be overwhelmed. Don't get yourself exhausted. Don't feel like because horrible things are happening, you just have to constantly respond and just defend your right to live or exist in this world. Take a breath, regroup with your community and go from there. That's the biggest thing I tell people because it's long-term work, culture change work, narrative shift. Changing the way in which we even look at these issues outside of just abortion, but all the issues that intersect and connect us are issues that this country have had since its inception. And so the idea that in a year or two, they're going to magically be solved, is just not realistic and it's not true. So I always tell people, take a breath, regroup with the community, and then we go from there. Figure out what it is, figure out a place to start. It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter how small that starting point is. Pick a spot and start there and just go from there and include rest, include laughter and joy and love, because I feel like sometimes those things are left out or not as appreciated as they should be. Rest, love yourself, provide empathy, and, you know, take your time with it. You know, do what makes the most sense for you and your community. Show up in a way that you and your community needs you to show up and go from there. So,
1: yeah. Oh, thank you, Nika. You're saying that I'm like, breathe. What's that? <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> that's a really beautiful response. I just to like uplift so that sentiment. Like, I really love the way that Nika put that, and I think that's so much. Like, it can be so small. It can literally be just asking your neighbor how they're doing if they need any support right now. I mean, there's so many state manufactured crises that we're living under. And like, y'all remember the freeze? Y'all remember these like, me- like hurricanes in Houston, mm-hmm. these huge crises and that can create trauma. And so I think like when it's that bad, you can't respond every time you see a call script on Instagram or a bad thing is happening in the news. It's like you alone can't address every single issue that's going to come up in the news. And one of the most powerful things that you can do is just know the people around you and be willing to stick your neck out for them. Even if you don't agree on every political issue, I've got neighbors who like are not on the same side of this abortion issue as me, but when their daughter needed some plan C, I helped them access it. You just have to like, you got to be there for people or plan B. I'm sorry. I misspoke there. (laughs) I was specifically talking about plan B, the emergency contraception.
1: Right. That's also so great. Okay. Well, as we wrap up, we like to think about democracy, which we love because we always try to give our listeners tools to utilize the power that's on the table. And a lot of times we just take for granted. So can y'all share with us, what does democracy mean to you when you hear this word?
2: For me, this is a tough one. Personally, it feels like true democracy has never really been actualized in this country. Like, I feel like there has never been equitable and easy access to voting. And there have always been historic and massive systems of oppression that hinder people's ability to get involved and have an impact in their community. I mean, especially young people, queer people, Black people, other people of color, Indigenous folks, undocumented people who live here, pay taxes, breathe here, work here, and don't have any say. And so I just, and then people who don't have access to funding. So, I think the only people who've had democracy are wealthy white men, like for a lengthy amount of time. And so, I think like I want to reclaim that individual and collective power by being embedded in my community, by knowing who my neighbors are, by showing up for people whenever I can, by moving closer to empathy than to judgment, and just allowing myself to be held accountable for my missteps without defensiveness. I think it's, we are in such a mucky time, you know, it's like, we're all going to make so many mistakes and we're all going to say the wrong thing. And we're all going to not be aware that abortions criminalize. criminalized. You know, there's so much going on. It's impossible to know everything and to be perfect and to say everything right. So I think just allowing yourself to actually be in community and be held accountable and fail forward and say, okay, now I know what can we do? I'm here to help. Just constantly having that energy and not getting stuck up, shaming people like you just hear those talking points. It's like, well, if you don't vote, you don't get a say. It's like, what about all the people who can't vote, or no one's ever talked to them about voting, or voting is not even possible because they're existing under such trauma and poverty that, like, the idea of reading the news, knowing when an election is, and showing up to vote feels literally like an impossible hill to climb. So I think just like moving out some of the shamey stuff and just getting really honest and being in community with people. That's what it means to me.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Caroline. And how about you, Nika? I'm agreeing and echoing what
3: everything Caroline is saying. I'm like, yes, 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 yes to everything. I think for me, what democracy means versus what I would like to see or like what it would look like for me, I feel like are also two different things that are going through my head. So like for me, how democracy would work is like what it means would be what the definition, I guess you would say it is. is like a government that works for the people by the people. But for the reasons that Caroline listed, that's just not true. That's just not what our government looks like. It has never been reflective of the people that it's supposed to serve. And to be honest, even with elections, I don't really feel like the elections are always representative of the majority of people and our values. And so for me, what it would look like to have like a true democracy would be within that definition to truly actualize the definition that we have not ever had the opportunity to do in this country. And that's to really have a government where it actually works for us. Like, you know, I don't want to go back and forth with the government. I don't want to fight them. I don't want to have to like constantly call them out. I want to be able to, for both of us to call each other up. I want them to support us. So that's what I would love. For me, it's not about a bigger government or smaller government or a government that looks like one party or the other. It's one that just works for the best interests of the people. And so that's what it would mean to me to have a real democracy.
1: That's great. Nicole, Well, wrap it up for us.
3: Goodness
0: gracious. I don't know. How do we conclude this great conversation? I mean, well, I would say I echo my definition when I've given it before is like government of the people by the people, right? I just feel like definitely sums it up and what an amazing thing it is to imagine that maybe out there that can exist at some point. And that's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. So hopefully, and I love both of you mentioning community, especially in this time right, where we see so many efforts towards privatization and thinking about individual rights and freedoms And, you know, the antidote to that is really valuing community. So that was really awesome to hear both of you highlight that.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for educating us. I learned something new as I suspected I would, and hopefully our listeners did too, but we really appreciate it. And we will share all these resources on our episode notes. Is there any shout outs y'all want to do? Like follow us here.
3: Yeah, follow us on we're on all the socials, you know, we're hip, we're young, we're on the TikTok, we're on the Facebooks, we're on Instagram, we're on threads and learn what that was recently. So yeah, we're real hip. And it's all about Texas is a b o w t e x a s. And you can follow us everywhere. If there's a social media site, we're more like more than likely on it. So yeah.
2: I did not know that we had a threads and I also don't know what that is. So I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm like I need to know this, these things.
0: <laughs> we all have a research project after this. Right? You know, I'm like,
1: this uh, thread? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you again, Nika and Caroline. We really appreciate it. And we will be back with another show next week.
0: Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos-O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.